Back football pod. Hey guys, guess what? Guess, guess what? Guess what? EMU did it. I don't. I don't care. I don't care what else you have to say right now. EMU did it. Bow down. EMU bow. Like bow down to EMU right now. Just, just do it. Like Beyonce. Eh. No. Bow down, bitches. I woke up like this. I did not see it coming. I, I'm, I'm just gonna say up front. Uh, if you listen to my other podcast, Y11 Audio, I did not sound like I was very uh, excited or, I don't know, optimistic in EMU's chances in, in playing this based on what I saw against them. Uh, you know, saw them in Louisiana, like, cruddy loss, cruddy way of getting off the plane and getting home. Then they had an abbreviated week of practices, and then they have to get back on the plane again, go down to Arizona. That just seemed like a really shitty situation. I did not expect that. I did not expect that. 30 to 21. 30 to 21. EMU is the best team in the MAC. Justin, Gale, uh, you guys have the floor. You, oh, I should probably introduce you guys. Oh, hi. That's Justin. Big fella. Yeah. Caleb. Underdog, underdog. Yeah, that's yeah, me. Yeah, that's me. Even you kicked their ass. I mean, it was decisive, right? Like, they, yeah. were playing, they were playing most of the game with the lead. It's like... No, all of it. Yeah. All of so, it. I mean, the point is... Did they overwhelm Arizona State? No, but they shouldn't have because they don't have the freaking athletes to do that. But they did <laughs> what it took to be in front the whole game. That's awesome. The EMU. They averaged so, six yards per carry. Dude, and, and it, it wasn't that like. That didn't ever happen. Bef- that, that didn't happen for the last like five years, six years. Samson Evans has had that. So he ran, he ran for like 260 yards. That's the best single game performance of the year by any running back. Mm-hmm. And for him specifically, you want to tell the people how many 100 yard games he's ever had in an Eastern uniform before that night? Uh, well, okay, so it's zero. <laughs> he's never done it before. I'm pretty sure. Good for him. At halftime, he had ne- like what was it? It was 96 yards at halftime, which was already a personal best because his previous best was 89. <laughs> I will say that I, I've brought this up on the pod before, but like, so Stamps and Evans is from the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And when I say northwest suburbs of Chicago, I mean like a good, very far distance from the actual city of Chicago, but some very, very good football played in the northwest suburbs. Uh, people who, if they look at recruiting circles, they might see names like Kerry Grove, Richmond Burton. Prairie Ridge, um, those are both like those, those are those schools are all not the biggest classification of sports in high school in Illinois, but they churn out MAC athletes. Um, EMU's had a couple, Toledo's had a couple, uh, Western Michigan's had a couple of those types of kids, and Samson Evans is another one of those kids from Prairie Ridge. Two hundred and fifty plus rushing yards in the MAC game, like you know, people are absolutely stoked out in this area. And so, for as someone who can actually speak towards what people were interested in from out here. Holy shit, people were having a fun time thinking about Samson Nevins doing 250-plus yards on the ground. First person to do over 200 for them since uh, Bronson Hill, right? Uh, I I don't have that one up in front of me, maybe. Either Bronson Hamil- Hill. I don't know if Darius Jackson Hamilton was a- the last person to go almost 200. 
And that was per what you researched, right? I'm gonna have to double check that. Pretty sure he, he was. And, and it's funny because I would love to say, no, it was Shaq Van. But that's just based on like I positive, I know like vibes only. <laughs> if, if you're referring to like whatever I wrote, like I stopped at like 250 yard games just because I was like, okay, I don't need to keep writing any further than this. We will spend the pod quoting your articles back to you, um, and then I'll just like, you return and be like, I have wrote. no idea, no <laughs> yeah. idea what you're talking about. New, new, seg- new segment. We pull three <laughs> quotes from articles about Eastern Michigan, and you have to pick out which one you wrote. <laughs> Alex always <laughs> ends up. Writing interesting things about teams, and I don't know if it's because he spent so much time in the game notes, the media notes, or whatever. But there are very few writers in college sports, and I and this is where I will credit Alex, um, who pull out interesting tidbits of information like he does. And he doesn't get paid to do this stuff full time, so right. I could shit on Alex's writing if I wanted to. I'd be like, hey, Alex, you're not good at this. You're not good at this. I'm not going to do that because that's stupid. Alex pulls out interesting bits of information better than the vast majority of people I go to for my college football writing. And I love that about my boy. So uh, two things for you. Uh, one, checks in the mail. Number two, this is very timely because the answer to what we were looking for the last time EMU had a 200-yard rusher was Reggie Bell. And who did he do that against? Buffalo. And what happened after Wait, that? what? And what happened after that? Someone get fired? Did Jeff Wood got fired, fired right after that. <laughs> Speaking of you pulling out really good tidbits, Alex, you talked about not expecting them to do this against Arizona State. I think you tweeted something, and it might have been in one of the articles too, but you kind of had the answer. They were better than people thought against Louisiana. They just got penalized a lot. Um, and they only took five penalties in this game against Arizona State. And that is a really good way to be able to keep running the ball and not have to play behind the sticks. Like, they just were in control the whole time, all the way until, when did this game end? Like, two in the morning? Uh, thereabouts, yeah. Just barely beating out the Iowa-Nevada game? Dude. I got I to gotta add, so it's my birthday weekend, and Congrats. I had, I had thanks, um, almost made it to 30 so far, uh, and spent a lot of the weekend, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, drinking and coaching football and all that nonsense, and... I would have loved to have stayed up and watched this game and watched Iowa Nevada. Big Boy was the, was at that game, which is fun, and would have loved to have just like spent so much time watching those games. What did I do? I fell asleep at like seven thirty because I'm a lightweight now, not physically because I am not light, but pass out early when I should be watching college football. Everybody, I feel like this happens has been happening every weekend now where everybody's tweeting about the craziest ass things that are, that are happening in college football. And my ass is asleep. <laughs> like tell, tell me a better example of being an old fudgy futter dutter than that shit right there. Uh, I'm sure there are better examples out there, but you know what? You're, you're, you're doing the right thing. You're doing it right. Living in a city of 3 million plus, And I'm over here falling asleep super early on weekend nights because I can't hang no more. Well, you know, it that happens. City that gets to bed at an appropriate hour. Doesn't city that wakes up at seven a.m. to go for a jog. <laughs> I, I will say there's a nice uh, the ability to go on a jog by the lake close to where I live is such a prime plus for like Chicago North Side. 
For how many months of the year is that a plus, though? Dude, like six or seven months. Um, the winter absolutely sucks. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's it absolutely is some garbage shit. Like, the weather kills your ass. That's another but, six months right there. But in the, the, the late spring, throughout the summer, early fall, Chicago is god dang beautiful. And frankly, I think that Northern Illinois had better do had needs to do a better job trying to own Chicago, because right now Northwestern's not doing a very good job of it. And North Northern Illinois loves to be like we're we're Chicago's mid major team. It's like no, you're fucking not. But what could you do to make that so? Because Northwestern is just like playing padiddle over here every week, what they're capable of. So hey, the slot's open. Make Wait. it happen. Wait, what does it mean to play? I I know what padiddle is. I get it. I know how to play. But like, as as a like a university playing college football, I would like to know what it means for them to play padiddle throughout anything. What does that mean? What do you think playing padiddle means? That's when you're driving around and there's like you have one headlight padiddle, or you see one headlight padiddle. So oh, you're basically, slow. basically. So basically how my current car situation is. Exactly. Ah, you're the padiddle. Got you. Okay. You're, you're the CPD, one you cannot pull me over. I have sovereign rights. Chicago padiddle department. <laughs> Sir, do you realize you have your tail laid out and your shirt is still off? Go, go hogs. Uh, if uh, the Pac-12 is looking for a uh, Midwest stalwart uh, to replace USC and UCLA, I mean, look no further than Eastern Michigan, right? I mean, that's the next step here. Love that. Convince me that Eastern is not the, like, the number one MAC team. Like, If we're all painting like power rankings in our heads this week, you know, and like week three is great for it. Week three is absolutely like prime power ranking releasing season because everybody just has like, you know, the three and O records. Okay. Those can explain themselves, right? The O and three records, those can explain themselves, but for everybody else, that's, which is, you know, 85% of college football teams right now. And like 85% of college football fan bases right now, we're looking at our teams and we're either looking at two and one and one and two, and we're looking at the, the you know the teams that we just played and the teams that our opponents just played, and we say, "What the fuck are we supposed to do with this?" Yeah, I feel very strongly in that respect, but that happens every year after the completion of non-conference play. Certainly, and this year's probably the worst of it because last week everybody just dropped a big fat L at once, except for Toledo and Western. Yeah, and, and then week, what did like, Toledo it wasn't do? That... What did Toledo do then? Then they went to Ohio State, but you know that that's a different story. That's you know, hey, 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 hey. I'm not, I'm not like I'm in a good mood right now. Okay, I'm a I'm an Eastern <laughs> grad. I'm not a Toledo taxpayer. Okay, I don't. <laughs> you are an Ipsy taxpayer though, so I mean that your Eastern credit is like just extra. Yeah, the for, the town, for the township though, you know it's but the anyways. most dumb ass talking point to come out of this last week and all of college football may have been home field or not, not home field. I'm sorry. Uh, meet at midfield talking about Jason Candle's press house, uh, press conference comments. 
and I like what they're trying to do with like Midwest, Big Ten, and beyond football coverage. But just like to try and make a stink out of what Jason Candle said was the dumbest fucking thing. Yeah, I'm not on board with that conversation piece. Just yeah, I think I co-signed on that. Uh, ju- but Justin, yes, you, I, co-sign. I, don't talk about it go, more. Go for it, <laughs> Justin. I want you to talk about it because I I kind of liked uh, like when we were kind of talking about it in our group chat. You you uh, I don't know. I I kind of like the spirit that you brought behind this conversation. Oh, about Jason Kelly. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if you're a like a head football coach at any level, like the answer Jason Candle gave about like, should people root for you or Ohio state is the only answer you should be allowed to say, like, there's nothing else. Like, yeah, just cheer, cheer for who you want. I guess I don't care. Of course he cares. Like, of course he gives a shit. Like, yeah, I want you to cheer for my team over the other team. And while uh, meet at midfield said that, I think they misinterpreted the quote of, of him saying like, even if you went to Ohio state or sent kids there, you should cheer for us anyway. That's not what he said. But also, even if he did say that, who cares? Hell yeah. Yeah, I don't care if you... Listen, I went to a Michigan-Michigan State game in East Lansing and saw a Michigan State student who lived on campus in a house wearing Michigan gear because he grew up in Ann Arbor. So, like, don't tell me that, like, people can't say, yeah, if, if you're from there, you should cheer for the home team. Like, why the hell not? Why shouldn't he say that? I just think it's, like, much ado about nothing. And to frame it as though he was, like somehow like go personally going to like a factory line and being like hey you're working all this ot to send your kid to ohio state you're a piece of shit you should cheer for toledo <laughs> like i thought that was really stupid framing like come 100%. on man and and there's and as me as a leftist leaning college football fan, oh no get this uh, fucking liberal out of here let's get get this yeah. fucking liberal out of here <laughs> chicago am i right chicago to hear people reading stuff in bad faith because it feels like you should read things in bad faith and just like find a try to find an adverse reaction to things it's fucking old and it's tiresome and regardless of any new media publication trying to find their footing in the sport i don't know who is doing that tweeting for media midfield and that type of stuff i want to root for those guys and i want them to succeed and to see that reaction i'm just like it, it didn't make me so much like really mad so much as just like is this really what you want you guys is this what you want your guys brand to be? Yeah, it just felt kind of like going the other way. And like I don't want to like call out me at midfield too much like that, you know, they're they're new, they're starting up. They're you know, they're good people. And like it has less to do with that because like you know, they're they're just one group, but like they do share the same thoughts that a lot of other people have, right? Like it's not like people that actually lived in Toledo like that's a blog, right? That's a blog, it's a website, cool, great. They have their reactions and you know, they they're reaction to this is kind of inspiring ours too but they have the same reaction that a lot of other people have like a lot of people that actually do live in Toledo have which is well fuck off I don't want to hear this I don't want to hear this out of you and uh let me respond like Justin your response is great too uh I need to two-prong this though uh isn't this professional sports didn't we just realize didn't we just settle this like we had this conversation with NIL right this is turning into professional sports. If in professional sports, who do you root for? Caleb, why do you root for the Bengals? Why I root for the Bengals is because literally my dad was a fan and I can go down the interstate 60 minutes, get a, find a parking space in 10 to 15 minutes and root for the hometown team that was garbage and they're the perennial underdogs. That's why I was a Bengals fan. That's why I am a Bengals fan. Hmm. Sounds like and a lot why like Justin and I are fans are – the Lions, for some stupid reason. 
Also, you forgot to throw in the Look, fact that we're idiots, so that has to do a lot. You with the are, line. you guys are idiots, but I also have no issue with Lions fans because I think Lions fans are like the ultimate example of like brand loyalty, and that that, that phrase it's like it makes me feel gross. But yeah. you guys have bought in to saying this is my team. I don't give a fuck where they stand, uh, what is going on with that with that organization. You are my team. I love the fuck out of you. We're going to have success. Yeah. And I, as a rule in sports, like don't, um, I know it's kind of in vogue to be like, there's a kind of a shift, like cheering for players, not teams and kind of things, things like that, which is fine. And I know it's kind of in vogue to be like, Oh, fandom is silly. And like being a fan, like you just be a fan of whatever you want. If your yeah, hometown not my, team, not my thing. Not my yeah, thing. if your hometown team loses, like you should just ditch them and stuff like that. And like, that's no. fine. Like you can cheer for whoever you want for whatever you reason. can. I, anybody I can. Care. It's not our sure, Yeah. But I still think I, I, I like cheering for, the teams from where I grew up, like, I don't know. I think that's fine. Like, I think there's a big payoff at the end. Maybe not for the Lions, but for other yeah. other teams. Like, there's a payoff at some point. Like, it, it's cool when the Red Wings won all those Stanley Cups and all that stuff. I just don't think there's anything wrong with being a fan of where of the team where you grew up for that exact reason. Like, even if they don't give you anything in return, it's just, it's okay. It's okay last to be year, old school. Last year was about the best payoff I could have possibly hoped for. And maybe the Bengals do win a Super Bowl in my lifetime. But having them do what they did in the playoffs, I can literally not ask for more. They were winning with like three minutes left in the game in the goddamn Super Bowl. After 30 – after they did not win a playoff game in my life. And they were just like the Browns previously and the Lions previously. They were the prototypical example of what is futility – in professional sports and for them to do that and i think there there are there are correlations to low level fbs football and mac football you can root for the team that could be that has the capability to be good but will never ever make the jump and when they won in the one year they make the jump if it's western in a big time new year's six bowl game if it's central in a big game that makes a difference and everybody cares about what the team is doing. If it's Northern exceeding expectations and doing something that nobody ever thought they were capable of doing, that's the fucking joy and beauty in rooting for those teams every single goddamn year. Because you don't only derive joy from the best thing they're capable of doing. You derive joy from every little thing that your team does from every little success that you accomplish and you live and you die by what goes bad. But it's always, almost always worth it, even after all the pains. Because when you succeed, it outweighs every single failure. Always. And that's the beauty in being a Mac fan, being a Lions, Bengals, Browns fan. That type of fan. And I will always feel strongly about that. I, I think you should lie to yourself. I agree. Yeah, it's fun. It, it keeps me coming back. I sat in a stadium for four quarters and watched Jack Salpeck play catch with Pittsburgh. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> Why are you a Lions fan? Because I'm going to die one day. I can tell you if, you, if you could tell me when the Lions win a Super Bowl, I can tell you when I'm going to die because they're going to be the same day. 
probably just getting trampled at the Lions parade. Although I went to the Cavs parade when they won the title in 2016 and I've just a word on championship parades, like don't go to them. <laughs> hey, I, I would like to go to them because I would like to be hammered drunk falling over myself in a parade of thousands of people who are doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, ordinarily that's my MO too, but I, I had, I, I had a terrible time. <laughs> Someone's gun went off and like a young kid got shot. It was just a bad day. It was hot. Thank God you children then. I would, the I would want to go. Late. I would want to go to see like if one of the athletes is doing what what Caleb should be doing, which is like what Tom Brady or like Clay Thompson, what they end up being at their super at their uh, parades. Balls deep. What would the inside? What would what? I guess I should say what will the parade route? Uh, be in Ypsilanti when Eastern wins the Mac. Oh, dude, there's so many one-way streets. That's actually really terrible. Uh, they're just going to do a big circle around They're not going to do um, a goddamn parade. They're going to go around campus. They're going to do a big circle around the uh, the phallus tower. Yeah. Have a good phallus. Alex, you asked um, to ask me to convince you that Eastern isn't the best team in the Mac. I, uh, I can't. Uh, I can't even convince you that they're not the second best college football team in Michigan. Cause I mean, imagine your school colors being green and white and then going out to the PAC 12 and losing. Couldn't be Eastern. Love that. <laughs> I was, I was driving. I got to text somebody. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to let me say it right here in this public forum. So nobody hears it. And then I'm going to text one of my friends in private and see what he thinks. Because he's a Notre Dame fan, and I want to text him. I think Eastern could beat Notre Dame. <laughs> I, I just want to see what his reaction could be. Because I say that jokingly, but then I, uh, I actually kind of mean that. I think Eastern. Does this person? Do, do you think this person knows what happened in Bowling Green on Saturday? He gambles. Oh, like, so he so he knows. Like Tommy Lawrence said, the Bowling Green mask. <laughs> Yeah, I did say that the funniest result of the week, like across all of college football, would be Bowling Green and Marshall. And while the, I think the MAC was responsible for two of the funniest things to happen in college football, with the exception of like Iowa playing like deep into the night. Um, first, Herm Edwards gets fired at the hands of Eastern Michigan. So good, so goddamn funny, and even funnier that we talked about it last week and then it happened. Um, and then. Um, Bowling Green basically making the like retroactively making the Marshall loss from Notre Dame way worse because <laughs> in so a very stupid. like small transitive way Eastern Kentucky is better than Notre Dame have you ever like like if you would have told me Bowling Green's going to beat Marshall at home this year and like that's a game that's actually not Alex, quit, quit all your joking. Quit all your joking. Like, you know, you're looking at, you're looking, you know, a month, two months ahead. You're looking at the schedule. You saw that Marshall's going to go to Bowling Green. Holy shit, the matching synergy is going to be impossible. Uh, but I think Marshall's going to be too good. But wouldn't it be funny if Bowling Green won? No, seriously, they're going to win, Alex. If you would have told me that two months ago, I would have been really happy. I would have been like, well, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's really good for the Mac. And it is. But I'm not happy for it. Like I, I'm, I'm looking at this final score, and I'm like, you know what? I'm really mad Bowling Green won. I'm really mad Bowling Green won this game. And I don't even have a dog in this fight. But I'm really what, mad at Bowling what Green. Because they didn't deserve what it. Size, what size is the dog that you have in this fight? 
Does that really matter? <laughs> Does that really matter? Does the size of the dog really matter? Underdog, underdog, man, that's me. Big fella. I love how you just have those ready. You're welcome. What do you, you have a soundboard? Big fella. <laughs> Seriously. Do you have a soundboard? Like a fucking Tim Allen-esque motherfucking like list of sounds you just play. Big fella. Okay. I mean, I think we have the answer here. Yeah, that's me. Caleb, you don't really subscribe to SP Plus, but uh, do you do you care if I read you off some post game win expectancy uh, numbers that Bowling Green finished with in each of their three games this year? Look, I don't have a, a problem with it because I know that Bowling Green is going to be the massive underdog in those games. It doesn't matter because it says like, hey, here's here's the box scores. Doop, 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 doop. Here's the chance that they would end up winning if this is what the box score said every time they played this game. So if they said, if you played the same game a hundred times, yeah. how many times would the team win that yeah. that won? And if Bowling they play, would lose substantially more than they won. Right. So the UCLA game, zero percent chance that they would win ever. Sure. Eastern Kentucky, fifty-six percent. Fair. Yeah. Marshall, what do you think it is? Let's look 30, at the traditional box 30, score before I tell you. Thirty-two percent. Oh, you're so nice. It's fourteen. <laughs> it's fourteen because they sucked. This game really sucked. They didn't. I know deserve the yards difference was big in that game, and so, um, it's it's not fair because Marshall is not that badly coached right now, and I'm still very very strongly of the belief that Doc Holliday should have never been fired, and I brought this point up a couple times in our podcast because we just, we have an affection. And uh, just a strong connection to Marshall that Doc Holliday shouldn't be fired because the governor of West Virginia wanted him fired very badly. And that was like one of the strongest driving points towards Marshall firing Doc Holliday. So Marshall should be in a better place than they're in right now, but their coaching isn't that bad right now. But oh, no, they have a great out, coach. Yeah, out, out gaining BG by what, 200 yards or whatever, and still losing. It's like such the fucking example of what BG has been in recent years where they can only beat the teams that completely overlook them. It's embarrassing. And we talked about it earlier. Like Justin, Alex, and I were all talking about it where I'm like, I got to give BG their roses. And Alex is like, no, fuck that. We're not giving BG their roses. That's right. But yeah, but I refuse. It's fine. But it's, it's, you have to acknowledge that. They have enough to beat teams that don't take them seriously. That's that is also an indictment on what BG is doing. That's it. That's it. That's actually can, that's it. That's yeah, it. That's you, it. Right you there. can only beat the teams that don't take you seriously. You can't. You, you can't win in regulation, and you can only beat these teams by the time they they're like, oh shit, we actually have to like tie our shoes before we play this game, and then like next thing you know, we're in overtime, and Bowling Green's like gonna outlast you a little bit but like they've only done that against who eku and marshall and sure marshall beat notre dame but you know whatever this is this is an overlook week it because it always is like bowling green you just look over them and that that that's bad you don't want to be that team you want to be just like tennessee overlooked akron right i'm sorry 
just like Tennessee overlooked Akron, right? Doesn't yeah, matter. I mean, they a pretty disappointing result for Tennessee to not score 100 points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, I, I do want to uh, – I'm not a big fan of giving Bowling Green credit either, but they did create three turnovers. So, I mean, if you're – that's how you win a game where you're – completely outmatched is you snag some turnovers i'm struggling to find play-by-play data here though so i'm curious what like the field position from that game i went back and watched the play-by-play and saw what were the deciding plays and drives and it's not really anything impressive it's carl brooks made some plays right at defensive end linebacker defensive end and other than that it was just BG made some stops in some crucial situations, but there wasn't anything that impressive. It was just they did that NIU thing. A couple fumbles. They did that NIU thing where they made big defensive plays in situations, not not sacks, not interceptions, not not necessarily football recoveries, even though they had a couple. Um, they just didn't do those things that yield big results in important games. Um, so love that bg was able to do that was this but a situation where bg like the yards disparity was so large because bowling green was playing with a shorter field um or was this just like were they actually outplayed as much as the box score says it is i don't know for sure because i did not watch the game and per- i didn't want i didn't watch it real time but i would have to guess that Marshall did outplay BG, but BJ uh, came up with the types of stops they needed to win. Yeah. Uh, BG had more time of possession, almost 32 minutes to Marshall's 28, only 377 yards. Of you want to know a, you want to know a stat that has become meaningless in college football? Well, time of possession is meaningless, but the only reason I bring it up time is to possession. say, the only reason I bring it up is to try to decide if BG was playing with a short field or not. Um, having not watched every sure. play of the game and not being able to get the play-by-play data, my guess is if they had the ball for 32 minutes, they weren't playing with a very short field. So sure. I don't, I just don't know what location on the field all those turnovers were. Exactly um, right. Sometimes that'll happen is you'll look at the yards and yards per play and you'll be like, well, this team really got their ass kicked. But did they, like if they recovered fumbles on the opposing 30, like there's not a lot of yards to gain there. Um, but I would expect their TOP to be lower. And they only had 19 first downs. Um, so, I mean, it's, I mean, Marshall only had 23. So, it, in some places, it looks pretty even. Others, not much. But we all know it's that 100th homecoming magic. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, the magic, the, the same magic that entails uh, taking care of a baby. Is your baby okay, Justin? Do you guys hear him? Yep. Yeah, he's, he's fine. He just does. Uh, Switching some sleep cycles right now. He just woke up. So yeah, he, he thought about what Justin Salopek was not capable of and he started crying. Yeah, yeah. He's uh you know, he's having a bad time as a young WMU fan, but he'll, he'll get to place <laughs> his own trail in life. Uh, I won't force anything on him. Buddy, if you want to be a Utah State fan, that's okay. Yeah, is it though? <laughs> I don't know what else interests me about this weekend. I mean, I mean, my team did well. <laughs> That's it. My team did well. I mean, Buffalo don't care. Even though like Buffalo had the lead against Coastal, Coastal still came away with the win. Kent State looks like they figured things out, but they played against a startup. Like Long Island was started during the Trump presidency. Oops, sorry, I said the name. Um, so I, why would you say that? Well, just to let you know, like how long of a program, like like 
LIU? Is that like a historic? Is that a good FCS program? I don't know, man. They just started. That's how what's interesting. What's interesting about C- uh, Kent State's result, and I wanted to say that there was something impressive they did, and I've got my big old whiteboard of stats that I wrote down that I showed Alex already. Um, and the biggest thing that I thought that was impressive they did was five different dudes had at least 50, 40 yards rushing. But uh, LIU has not played within 37 points of an FBS opponent yet. So as much as I would love to be like, hey, look, Colin Schley and the fucking Golden Flashes are figuring it out. They're not. They played LIU. They played Ron Cooper in LIU. <laughs> Fan of the pod. Big time friend of the pod, Ron Cooper, right? <laughs> I, that's that's my favorite thing that you've been doing lately is that you've been sneaking in. Uh, somebody is fan of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Just calling people out by name. You're a fan of the pod and they've never heard of us. <laughs> well, one of our quote unquote fans of the pods knows about us, but that's that's different. One of us. One of us. One of us. No, he's not one of us. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I mean, I thought Miami would have beat Cincinnati. I thought it would have happened. I thought it could have happened. I I mean, it looked like they were going to play tight and then just didn't. Yeah. Uh, Any thoughts on Vanderbilt and IU? Because that was like one that (laughs) should be exciting. And then. Well. I, I mean, I think the key point there is Rocky Lombardi got hurt. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that it's too much of a stretch to say they they might win if he plays. What was he like seven for seven with a touchdown pass and then he got hurt? Uh, yeah. Seven, yeah. Seven with a touchdown seven pass. Seven to seven is correct. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think they only threw like seven incompletions all day. Um, NIU did. But, you know, they lean heavy on the ground and they just had a bad third quarter, I think. And they, I don't know. I, I just don't know. If you're an NIU fan, I don't know how you feel any differently right now than you did before the season. Like, you're probably a little disappointed that you're not, like, thinking, dreaming about New Year's Six or anything like that. You argue amongst yourselves whether you think you should have been anyway. But, like, you know, I think before the season started, you probably thought this is one you could have won. And you probably feel like you might, could be 3-0. But I don't see any reason to think that you wouldn't still feel confident about winning the back. Yeah, no, because that's once once October rolls around, it's a different season. Yep, especially for them historically. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, like they have another season in November. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything. There's not much you can read into it. It's a tough conference generally to read into the non-conference mm-hmm. season, you know. Yeah, I think you just have to like look into the, like the nooks and crannies and just kind of like start your investigations from there. I think if I'm NIU and I'm investigating anywhere in this game, it's that third quarter, mm-hmm. twenty-one to seven. It can't happen. Can't have it. And it, you 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 raise a good point about like looking at these games. You have to find things that you think might continue. Like, what, what is a thing and what isn't a thing, which I guess is, like, the whole game, right? Mm-hmm. And on the optimistic side for NIU, the thing I'm noticing about this game is, yeah, we lost to Vanderbilt. That kind of feels like shit. But, and we were favored at home. It feels crappy. But you have no reason to think you can't score 40 on any team in the MAC, Right. Because Rocky got hurt. That 
you've seen that happen in 2021. You know that the offense is going to score. There are no problems there. Like here and there, drop the pass against Tulsa to win the game, right? Like, but other, like you're just nitpicking at that point. This team's going to score a ton of points efficiently, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. <laughs> so like, let's feel good real. about that. Let's be real. The primary, uh, the desired result for an NIU Mac football game is for the Huskies to throw like 12 to 14 passes, right? And Ontario Brown, Harrison Whaley go for like 100 to 200 yards combined. So if Ethan Hampton's the guy going forward, it doesn't really change. So I don't think NIU really has any reason to worry. And losing Rocky would hurt if he's out for an yeah. extended period. Um, it wouldn't hurt because he is efficient. But Ethan Hampton is not so much of a downgrade that they can't have success going forward. I agree. I agree. Like I, I think they're going to be okay. Like I don't. I don't think there's any reason to think like, "Ooh, have they lost a step?" Like, I think I'm going to say the same thing about NIU that I've said probably every week dating back to last year. It's the same team as last year, man. Like, I know there's little nuances and differences here and there, but it's the same team. They're pretty good. Pretty good, bordering on really good, depending on how the defense plays. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's good enough to win the Mac. And the defense is not even impressive. That's Let's the be honest. Part. I think that's Let's the be honest. Part. Let's be honest about that, because Alex was, like, going on about how good they could be because of how much they returned. And the truth of the matter is they have impressive – Individual fig, individual figures, but what is actually impressive about the actual results they put on the field? No, you're right. I mean, like that's that's part of the reason why they get outscored twenty-one to seven in the third quarter is because the defense is just not there, and like they're letting the other teams have those second half adjustments. So, yeah, I don't know what it is about their defense, but when you're letting that happen to you at home against. I, I gotta recheck that because that that lo- that logo. Come on, that's that's Vanderbilt. Oh my goodness, man! I don't like that logo. You know, I I, I think I'm okay with the Vanderbilt like logo change, but I also think it sucks. Yeah, but now you're talking about it. <sighs> Wait, go so smart of you guys. Vanderbilt logo stops you in your tracks. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Oh god! All right, I have a lot of other thoughts That's about a, the other Mac games we haven't talked about yet. It's enough about Vanderbilt. Oh, go yeah, r- exactly. run through them exactly. because I, I've, I've got nothing other than like uh, I don't know Central. I, I've, I've got some things right about Central, but I don't really care to talk about them until another week. My thoughts about Miami—that's for damn sure. Oh, oh, please, please go on. Miami took up what seventeen-seven lead on Cincinnati this year, right? That's First, right. They've been. Last, last couple of years, Miami has played de- decently in early game against Cincinnati. But ultimately, we know that Cincinnati is too good for Miami to beat. And this year, they took a 10-0 lead. Hip and Hammer had a ridic- ridiculous uh, touchdown catch. 
Ivan Pace is playing for for Cincinnati now. Eight tackles, two tackles for loss. One of the best players on the field. Offense or defense. Offense or defense for either team. Uh, I'm looking at just a couple things. A couple of things I wrote down. Ryan Wood, 13 tackles for loss. Avion Smith. Wait, 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 wait. 13 tackles for loss or 13 tackles? 13 tackles. Okay. Two tackles for loss, sorry. Um, what I want to know is what you guys thought about Avion Smith because Blaine Gabbert's been hurt and he did okay in the first half. Ben Bryant obviously did okay. We could just call every person who's played in the Mac a fan of the pod, right? Did you ben say, Bryant, fan of the pod. Did you say Blaine? No, I said Ben Bryant. Oh, no. Did you say Blaine Gabbert? I probably did, honestly. <laughs> I hope this is a recurring thing that you do. You're like, I'm going to just use, <laughs> I'm going to, at some point during the year, you're going to like misname every Matt quarterback. <laughs> I did Daniel Richardson last week. <laughs> yeah, quit. After Q Rich. Look, if Man, I had... it's going to really suck if NIU is going to be without Vince Lombardi for any longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than Joe Lombardi. <laughs> Look, I will not, I, I can't continue to go back and forth with you guys about Jer- Jeremiah Salopek. Okay, like, this isn't going to fucking happen. I'm not doing this. Um, Miami looked decent. What do you guys think about Avion Smith? Nine of 20? Nine of 20 passing last week? Throw the stats out. What did you think about how he looked? Dude, I, I, I really only watched him a little bit. I don't know, man. It's just, it's tough. It's tough when you're getting your ass kicked by Cincinnati. I, I think it looks fine. It's just, it's just clearly not his offense. No strong thoughts from Justin. No, it, uh, this is kind of a tough week for me because I, I was uh, going to a game in person, so um, I didn't see enough of him to be like to have strong thoughts on it. But, you know, you said throw the stats out, and the only thing I was going to say was about the stats because they didn't look great. So your thing, there's not a chance. I will say, though, I, I don't like that they, they play this game at Paul Brown or whatever the hell they call it now. It's called Paycor now, and that was one of my other thoughts <laughs> I needed to bitch about because Paycor as a name is garbage. Shut the fuck up. I promise I didn't even know that that was going to, like, set you off. The motherfucking guy who is the son of the guy the stadium is named after choose to change the name of the stadium from his dad's name to somebody else. Everybody spent the whole playoffs talking about how uh, cheap the Bengals were. They're like, I'll show you. <laughs> I can show you the world. Um, I don't really have any other, like, I don't know. I don't have any, like, big thoughts about any of these other games. Like maybe a few. I mean, I obviously I, I watched the entirety of the WB Pittsburgh game, but you know, I don't I don't know of how much interest that is, like broadly. Just kind of Which sucks it's... because I thought that was gonna be one of the big games, but it's just not that. Uh, you're gonna bait me into it, man. Like they <laughs> it this is okay, this, this is the same exact story, almost all the way down to the exact score line as the Michigan State game, which is like 
if you want to take a moral victory as a Western fan, um, or if you want to like, if you're scouting Western Michigan, they took this team into the fourth quarter down seven, like Pittsburgh had the ball on like their own 25 to start the fourth quarter. Um, and then they bled eight minutes a clock and scored a touchdown. Uh, and then they got the ball back and scored again. And that was the game. But, you know, it doesn't tell the whole story because, you know, it's just Western didn't have a lot of business staying in that game because offensively they're just bad. Like, the, like right now they just aren't a good offensive team, which is bad. Like that's not a good sign because that's something that they had. We knew they'd take a step back, but not that far. They had like a 9% success rate in the first quarter. I think they ran four plays. They did, uh, they went three and out. They went three and out. Um, so Pitt scored a field goal, I think, on their opening drive. And then Western goes three and out. And then they threw a pick six. And they were down 10 nothing. And like that was, there was a lot of game left. And Western made a game of it at one point. But it was like the game was over there. Like it was just, Sal Peck just didn't have it. He threw three picks, um, you know, one of them. Good. No, he's – he's. what's frustrating about Jack is he makes some throws. So, if you watch the game, he made a throw right before he threw his second interception um, in the red zone, which I think is the second time this year he's done that. He made a pass to Corey Crooms on the sidelines. They had to review it to make sure he was in. That was just an absolute dart. He threw it to the opposite side of the field. Like, it was just an awesome throw. And you see that and you think, okay. He's figuring it out. And then, like, the very next play, he throws a pick. Now, it was a hell of a play by the pick defender. I don't think it was a terrible throw, but he, you know, Salpick waited too long. Guy was open. He needed to throw it. He hitched and gave the guy a chance to catch up. But here nor there, point is, is, like, that at that point, that game would have been 13-13, you know, had, he, had they scored there. But instead, he threw a pick. And that's just kind of the name of the season for Western is they – they're not finishing drives like the like the new thing, like with the rise of like, you know, we have so much more data at our disposal. And the big thing I think that we're shifting to is like, you mentioned it, Caleb, time of possession doesn't matter. It's like when you cross the 40, do you score points, right? doesn't matter how you got the ball across the 40. Did you get an interception? Did you get a fumble? Did you return a punt down there? It doesn't matter. However you got inside the 40, did you score points? And WMU has a kicker now, so they did a little bit better than expected. In years past, this team would have got shut out. Uh, they had a really nice play call. Anthony Sam, Anthony Sambucci threw a wide receiver pass, just an absolute dart uh, to get Western's only touchdown of the day. But your quarterback cannot throw zero touchdowns and three picks and expect to beat you know a top 25 team in any venue. So I think the fact that it was only a one score game up until eight minutes left in the fourth quarter is like an absolute miracle. And I think Western could be in a lot of trouble if they don't get some better quarterback play. They don't need good quarterback play. I want to be clear here. This team could win a lot of games with mediocre quarterback play. They're not even getting that. No. No. Western cannot win more than five games this year. Not with this with this quarterback play. I think the offensive line and running backs are good enough that they're going to, like you saw that against Ball State, like they can grind teams down at the MAC level, but it's not going to work uh, against teams that can really score. It just won't. So, Alex, um, when we talked about what MAC teams could accomplish this year, I think 
you had them around the same place I did, and that was I, I had I'd Western at four and four. Yeah, I. Th- <sighs> I already feel worse about four and four than I did like three weeks ago. Hmm. Significantly worse. Yeah. And that is with Western playing semi-competitively against Power Five teams. Because defense. they have not shown to me they have. There's only very very brief glimpses of what they're able to accomplish. And there's nothing sustained. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's there. Like you can see flashes of what is a very, very good football team. The defense especially has it, but they just, the defense was out there all the time. You can't play, especially against Izzy Abanacanda. Like he's going to wear you down if your offense is going free and out all the damn time. And then the one time the offense did score a touchdown, they, it was only three plays. <laughs> They threw a 50 yard pass, lost some yards, and threw a wide receiver pass. And then, so, like, it was great, cool. Like, the Western responded awesome, but like, the defense had to trot back out there and then just get, you know, run over. And, like, Pitt is not the best offense that Western's going to see this year. No. Like, doesn't help that Pitt has like a, is on a third string quarterback. He was on a third string quarterback, and all Western had to do I mean, all you had to do, right? It's a giant offensive line of really, really good backfield. But the idea was you had to get them into passing downs and make them pay. And the times that they did that, they didn't, you know? Like, like Pitt was running the ball on third and 13 because they just didn't, they were not afraid of what WMU was going to do on offense. The offense has to help the defense out at some point. Or the defense has to start creating turnovers and masking a lot of problems, which I don't think that I don't think the secondary is good enough for Western to create the turnovers it needs to like win a MAC title this year. All right, don't let me talk about them anymore. Unless we have <laughs> they, they lost by they lost by twenty one, and only their only touchdown came from a wide receiver pass. There's nothing to. It's the least interesting thing that happened on Saturday. Sounds like some freshman level football shit. Unless we have any more thoughts about this weekend or the weekend up ahead, I think now's a good time to do our top three or bottom three, whatever the fuck. I have one thought before we get into it. Buffalo looked the part against Coastal for three quarters. And it's not one of my three things to celebrate, three things that you're positive about. But for one of the first time, maybe not the first time, but just overwhelmingly felt positive about Buffalo football for three quarters against a very, very good New York Six able <laughs> Coastal Carolina squad. I don't know if they're there this year. They were last year almost. So I felt very good about what Buffalo was able to do. In Snyder, they have a decent QB. Washington and Cook can make things happen. I don't know if they have things figured out yet, but I feel a lot better, a lot significantly better about what Buffalo is capable of right now than than I did a week ago. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, is it just the performance that changed it? or Because last week you said there was nothing that we we all agreed. There was nothing yeah. that we felt Buffalo was good at. What yeah. do you think? What do you think Buffalo is good at now? Like, do you have that one thing that you could say, yeah, I, I can depend on this team to do this? I, I, it's not so much that any individual person or skill group does things better, but just the playing seems, football part. What's up? The playing football part has gotten better. Well, yeah, that's that's the unsexy way of describing it. But look, they 
they found a way to play a very solid program that is on very good footing on the road leading in the fourth quarter. And if you can do that, then something is working for your program. And I feel vastly better. And maybe Buffalo only wins like three games this year, or two games this year. I don't know. But I feel vastly better about where Buffalo stands right now than I did the week ago. And it's, and it's only because they found a way to turn uh, Coastal into four, like third downs into fourth downs. They moved the ball at times when they weren't able to move the ball before. So good for Buffalo. I, I think they're trending in the right direction. Caleb, you are also trending in a good direction. How about you get things started with either a top three or bottom three or whatever else you have uh, sure. planned for us? Um, my top three, I'm going to go with a positive spin today. Uh, Michael Haldman from Central Michigan, three and a half tackles for loss, of course, fumble. Central did not play a particularly vaunted Bucknell team, but they had 13 tackles for loss overall. And Haldeman was the leading guy for the day. They, they're, they're turning a new leaf in terms of having guys that make plays, which I, I was trying to like get across to Alex. And I think he's right. And I'm right about things that they had too many guys lost to be really feeling really good about themselves, but they just McElwain's teams tend to just turn over new, very successful defenders. And they just, they just do it consistently. And maybe Haldeman's that guy. He's like a redshirt fresh, red freshman. Maybe he's that guy. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But I feel good about what Central did defensively, even against FCS. Bucknell winning 41-0. Uh, the second one, I said I got to give my roses to BG in some respect. Matt McDonald has one or two games every year where you're like, man, good for him. He probably won't do anything else after this, but good for him. I think he was like 27 to 45, like 280 yards passing four touchdowns, spread the ball around. It's it's interesting because BG, for all their targets, they'll target somebody 10 times and complete four passes, target somebody else nine passes, complete four passes. So there's nothing schematically that works better for BG than other people, and they don't run the ball consistently well enough to win a lot of Mac games. So I will give Matt McDonald credit. He's late in his career. This is going to be the last time we're going to see him as BGQB. He did something well enough to beat Marshall. I feel good about what BG did, even as they were outplayed for the most part. So wanted to put that in my top three. And then this is one that I'd be very shocked if both of you didn't say. Samson Evans, 250-plus yards on the ground. EMU winning the game where we were all like, wouldn't it be so funny if Herm Edwards lost his job because be this happened? And then he did. It was funny. And Samson Evans, Prairie Ridge, Illinois, Prairie Ridge, Illinois' own Samson Evans, 30-plus carries, 250-plus rushing yards on the ground. Super cool. There's my top three. Justin. Uh, you are half correct that I have Samson Evans in my top three. I, I think uh, my notes here written down say uh, Sam fucking Evans. <laughs> uh, that yeah. guy. That dude. That was such a great performance, man. Like, just the coolest. Um, I got Ethan Hampton on here. I, mine's all player-themed for the top. Um, didn't really do anything great, but, like, was it a disaster? Right? We talked about him a little bit. Um, 
how NIU is going to be fine with him. Like it's all, I, I just think it's always a good thing when, um, Hey, if you, Caleb, you're a football coach. You probably, people talk about sudden change all the damn time. That's a big sudden change moment, like thrusting a, uh, a backup quarterback into a role, replacing who I think is, you know, the, the, the best quarterback in the Mac right now. Uh, at least he's playing like it uh, to replace him like that. And then still give your team a really good chance to win. Um, can't say much else about a backup quarterback, right? That's what, that, that's the job. Uh, and then Carson Steele, I know they played Murray state, but he had 25 carries, 141 yards, touchdown. It's a big bruiser of a running back. Um, I think it's super cool that uh, Carson Steele, Carson Steele and Samson Evans will share the field at some point this year. <laughs> yeah. I hope everyone stays healthy because that is, uh, that's going to be beautiful, beautiful football. It's going to be a banger. Uh, I have a bottom three, but it's a themed one. Uh, my bottom three to fill the Arizona State head coaching job because something happened in Tempe this weekend. I'm so sorry. So sorry for your loss, Arizona State. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, crap. One of those three spots. We know what one of those names is. No, 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 no. At this point, Nebraska's already hired Urban Meyer away, so I can't I can't include him on this list of three. Uh, bottom three to fill this. Number one, Ed Orgeron. Wouldn't that be terrible? He, right now he's he's on a he's been on a tour uh two weeks ago he was actually at eastern louisiana he was at that game and then this past weekend he was at um texas a&m miami he was in a canes polo i don't know if you saw that video where he said go canes but that, that exists um yeah ed orsheron to arizona state the state where you could always just kind of i don't know it, it seems like a very like, like bachelor lifestyle friendly move. I mean, like look at Cliff Kingsbury. That guy is loving I feel life like right now. Ed Orgeron would do very well as a Miami Hurricanes coach. I do. I really do. I mean, if it wasn't for that fumble recovery, we were danger. We were dangerously close today to uh, Cliff Kingsbury name in for the Arizona State job. See, number two, Les Miles. Wouldn't that be terrible? Shut up. Stop it. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Yeah, okay, yeah, that'd be terrible. That'd be terrible. No. Because, like, I, I don't – no, I, I'm not saying I condone these. I don't – I don't want – If, if I, you're staying on the LSU thing, if the next name's Matt Canada, I'm going to freak out. No, 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 <laughs> no. Wait, where is Matt Canada right now? Justin, tell me. I'm going to the Googles. Where in the world is, is Matt Canada? Canada. <laughs> Recurring theme. Oh, he's the he's the OC in Pittsburgh, right? Like the Steelers. Oh, that's okay. right. Yeah. Okay. I knew he was working somewhere, but it's funny because their offense is shit. Yeah, yeah it's not Big Ben's fault. It's Matt Canada. Yeah. So this it's, look, you have no players. You have like two players in the offense. I don't, listen, I don't know if this list is going to get better or worse as it goes on, so we, we need to finish this up. Uh, number three, bottom three for uh, guys that could fill this Arizona State head coaching job, uh, it's John Gruden. Shut up. God. It's Lance Leipold. Uh, why would Lance Leipold downgrade to Arizona State from Kansas? It's not a That's downgrade. That's right. It's not a downgrade from Kansas. <laughs> 
Caleb, they beat Houston by like 18 points yesterday. Yeah, and I'm very happy for Lance Leipold because he's that dude. He'd have to There's wear shorts. Three. It's still a fucking... Lance up- Leipold doesn't wear shorts. He would never work in a place where he has to wear shorts. <laughs> Look, the um, I'm super, like, honest to God, when I saw that Kansas beat Houston, because I didn't watch any of the game, I didn't get updates during the game, I was like, holy shit, Leipold is proving that being an actual good coach can make bigger dividends quickly than just having good dudes like Dana Hogerson does at Houston. Someone is going to pay Lance Leipold a bajillion dollars. Yeah. I don't know what school it's going to be. Some power five coach. I hope it's some Kansas. Some power five school is going to pay him so much money. And there should be, and listen to this, dudes, there should be more schools paying successful D2, FCS, D3 school head coaches. Lance Leipold is the perfect example. And maybe he's better than all of them. Maybe he's the prototype. But more schools should take the chance on a smaller school head coach to build up their program. Because Lance Leipold has this shit figured out. Kansas might win one more game this year. I don't know. I don't feel like I have a good grasp on how good Kansas can be. But he's beating coaches that have won a lot of football games and have led good football programs. So Kansas very obviously is being led by somebody who understands how and what it takes to win college football games. Love that for that. Yes, Caleb, I agree with you that Chris Creighton should be the next head coach at Arizona State. Great. I think on and off over the years, we've just we've we've ended up saying, you know who would be good at this underachieving power five school? Chris Creighton. Because the expectations are never high. And if he wins six, seven, eight games and makes a bowl game, it'd be great. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I was, I, I was trying. <laughs> I, just, I felt yeah, like that, I, didn't, I didn't mean to bring you down from your pain. But, I, Alex, I do think that if this trajectory continues, you are going to have to consider life after Chris Creighton. Oh, I, I've already done that. Believe yeah, me, I did that years me. ago. I think, like, the biggest thing that – I think the biggest place that you've lucked out on that is that – Narduzzi, Pat Narduzzi flirts with losing the job at Pittsburgh, but keeps doing a good job. <laughs> like everyone wanted him fired. And then like, but I think like the most pit thing was that they like, you know, they could have had a playoff, you know, debate, but they lost to Western Michigan at home. But, you know, they look okay again this year. Pitt Pit has not fallen apart while Heather Lake is there is what I'm Pittsburgh saying. should never fire Narduzzi because they – there are very, very few men in, in the world today that could lead Pittsburgh to better than where they're at right now. So you might no, have he's doing, in your he's head. doing a good job. I just know that he catches a lot of flack sometimes for like various reasons. But every Pittsburgh coach catches a lot of flack, regardless of sport, yeah. regardless of basketball or football or whatever. They catch flack because they're like, look at this, this ardent, excited student fan base. And we put some money into it and we care about our teams. So, like, obviously we should be able to find somebody who can take us to the next level. And fuck, you guys are not going to make a dent in the stratosphere of college football. You are not. You might even be good enough to be a top 10 team for a year. Good for you. You're not good enough to warrant changing your coach a year or two after you were a top 15 team. You just aren't. 
Yeah, won't happen. I do respect the hell out of a guy who uh, had a first round draft pick at quarterback and his chief complaint about last year's team that went 11 and one was we threw the ball too much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And man knows out over like uh, we sell cars podcast. The, The man knows what he wants. Good fella. And boom goes the dynamite.